0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, and this podcast is all about capturing stories and people's opinions and how they operate in the world and what makes them curious and how they share that with the world. And it's just a special process for me to be able to capture all the stories. And in today's guest is an example of what this kind of job that I'm creating for myself, being an interviewer now is able to take me places that i never would have expected um i have to give my shout out to my good friend jordan chris he is the one who set this all up and made this possible and i just also want to thank our guest today our guest today is claudia scora she is a mental health therapist specializing in uh, young adults and adolescents and she really is forthcoming and talking about all of the things as a practicing psychologist or therapist um For me, I'm really interested and you know from the podcast previously with what me and Jordan have talked about, and also the podcast that we titled Anxiety, Depression and Addiction, Um, and that's episode number nine, I believe, if you want to go check it out. But we talk about a lot of these ideas, and I'm really interested in these ideas for for personal reasons and just in general. I think it's it's an area that needs to be talked about more and have more research in it. Uh, because of how my interests work, I'm really into the the nitty gritty of the upcoming science, right? So this p- conversation was a way for me to ask questions about, you know, for someone who's down in the battlefield or in the trenches, so to speak, and figure out what is the temperature like. You know, does this science matter? And for one of, for those of you who are interested in what I'm actually talking about, is is like the psychedelic research in the therapeutic world. Um, and long and short of it is, it's too soon right and it just makes sense as from a trickle-down effect and just you know these things have to get approved from the government or any governing body in general before it can get mass adopted and so that just makes sense and so it was my way of kind of asking questions from someone who's actually part of the field instead of just hearing what these researchers are doing and what's important to them the other side of this is that claudia is a avid traveler and she's made her her position at her current job and her current life to be able to do the things she wants to do and not be controlled buy work but she loves what she does and then she's also experience the world on top of that and i think that's also a really important thing because people really get sucked in the idea of you have to you know you work a whole bunch of time and then you go into it and this is kind of a long intro but i think this is worth just expanding on because of the conversation we had um Outside of that, I really enjoyed this conversation with Claudia. This is the first time i actually ever met her, so it was really cool to be able to just jump into this conversation. And um, I hope you all enjoy it. I really do. And I I really hope she enjoys it, and I really hope that all of you take something away from it. So without further ado, everyone, here's my conversation with Claudia Skoran. And we're joined by Claudia hi how's it going <laughs> fantastic this one this one's been a long time in the coming look like, what probably like a month out now we're trying to get yeah. this one scheduled <laughs> be- playing uh, texting tag and like schedule it oh wait oops forgot about it or yeah. whatever uh we're also joined by jordan as well so he- he'll Hello. be sitting in yeah i'm um, here flying the wall style yeah <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead and give us your uh, little bio like who like what do you do who are you and Anything
1: like that. Who am I? Wow, that's a, that's a hard-hitting first question, right? <laughs> who are you?
0: I know. We can get metaphysical.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that one's still in the making, so who am I is a, a big, big question. But what I do is um, I'm a mental health therapist, so I work with adolescents and young adults. That's my specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked in literally just about every level of care. I've done inpatient. I've done partial. Um, currently, I work in private practice. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the very short version <laughs>
0: cool. of what I do. Yeah. So. Just from my own things, I've really gotten into psychology, um, and you and it's honestly weird how I've gotten so deep into psychology because it stemmed from a in, a love for working out, and then by extension that turned into a enjoying of health mm-hmm. broadly speaking. And then the more I learn about it, the more you start diving deeper into different things, right? And so psychology for me is one of these things. Is from multiple avenues. Is it? It's like you have to. It's like a puzzle, right? When you're trying to think about the brain. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Wellness and and health and fitness and exercise is a huge component of psychology. Yeah, so I
0: don't know if you want to be able to explain anything that you have picked up from what you've experienced or what you know from your own practices and stuff like that. Just broadly speaking, for certain things.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I people always come in and and ask me, you know, what's the most effective treatment approach, and Mm -hmm. you know, meds is a piece of it for those that are, you know, needing and seeking medication. But then obviously there's the therapy piece and the cognitive behavioral piece, and that's usually where people stop. They want the medication, they want the therapy. Um, What they forget about really though is this biopsychosocial model where you need health and wellness, Mm -hmm. diet, um, and what we're feeding our body plays a huge role into just our brain and how that's processing information Mm -hmm. or energy levels, Um, and exercise. I mean, exercise, in my opinion, is probably the best antidepressant (laughs) out there, right?
0: Right, but not only that, to sunlight, even, to just getting outside. Vitamin D levels, Um, yeah. One of the big things I always hear from people, and this could be even like a meditative thing as well, is, is whenever you're having some sort of, you know, psychological, like, negative thought pattern is to you know get out of the mind and into the body Mm -hmm. that you've experienced that
1: yeah you know and again there's a a strong link between physical symptoms Mm -hmm. um, with any type of of mental health struggle and what the mind is doing and so sometimes probably the easiest and maybe the best place for people to start is the physical body Mm -hmm. and that's why again exercise is you know super conducive to just you know healthy mental health functioning
0: Mm -hmm. so then from there I would ask is so if a patient is resisting to, you know, cause I think there's, it's less so nowadays, but it's, you know, psychology and therapy is something that at least when I was growing up kind of had a stigma behind it, you know, where people weren't so open as to being talked about it nowadays. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's kind of one of the things people are way more open to, to discussing and being more like, here's my process and maybe it can work. So I don't know. if the, the-
1: Yeah. You know, and what's actually really awesome is I've been in my field for man, I think it's been like 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. Um, And just noticing the changes over the past decade with Mm -hmm. what I've seen with people becoming a little bit more open to it, actually a lot more open to it. Um, It is talked about, obviously, you know, we see the things that are happening in the media, which influences quite a bit. But um, yeah, people are becoming much more open to it. And and I can tell you this, that mental health truly does not discriminate. I see everybody in my office from, you know, a 12 year old struggling with depression to a 56 year old CEO struggling with depression. There's there's little no mask.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of me and Jordan have talked about this before is where there's, it's kind of like my own theory, but it's always like, we have these things that it's trauma, right. And it's broadly speaking trauma. And it's it, the way I see it is like, um, psychological scarring. Right. And, and the, ver- the, the way the West from there is kind of like, it can be big T or little T. Right. And so, big big t is, you know, like rape or the hard things or whatever, stuff like that. But then little t trauma is the stuff that shapes your personality that you don't see as issues, so to speak. Right. You know, like right. it's kind of like the guy who's a workaholic, but then because society wants people to work harder, it, mm-hmm. it, it gets valued, right? Mm-hmm. But so then th- that's kind of like my lens of the world is like that person who's a workaholic has just as much baggage to work through as a person who has big T t trauma.
1: Definitely. You bring up a really good point. (laughs) I think a lot of it is it's situational, right? Right. Just because you haven't had some outstanding traumatic event happen to you doesn't mean that there's not little facets and little components that are maybe anxiety-provoking or that impact current behavior. And so, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people don't want to go into therapy because they either feel like their issues are not as dramatic or they don't need therapy. (laughs) But, I mean, you don't have to have obviously a, a clinical diagnosis to benefit from talking to somebody. Right.
0: Or, well, and I think, too, is that having someone who's non... Like, not partial to the, your life, right, can be... You know, they're, they're just enough disconnected from your, your, you know, friend group or someone you trust that mm-hmm. they can look at it from a clean view and you don't... You know, you're not can't be like oh well you're too close to me and just wave them away because they're yeah (laughs) the the
1: biases almost go away right right? or they're not quite as loaded yeah exactly so
0: like what you say doesn't like have as much impact or you can't just be like oh whatever like Mm -hmm. you're just saying that like you don't really know (laughs) okay right you know and that's i think that's what's really important about it because i've been hearing so much like from like talking behavioral therapy and just having someone you can talk to when you're having issues because i mean that that was one thing that we've also talked about before too is like just having an outlet into the world, you know. Or most mm-hmm. I think it's like mm-hmm. one in four Americans t- say they don't have someone to talk to now.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and it's crazy to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, that's that's super sad if you think about it. Like that number, how sad that is that people feel like they have no one to turn to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel I feel like it's a, um, people didn't really recognize like that they were experiencing like either anxiety or depression up until recently like it's more like we said more talked about mm-hmm. um, and so people are starting to notice that more and so i think mm-hmm. that's in turn making people want to seek out people to talk to which it would help being someone you don't see necessarily every day if right. that makes
1: sense. Well and people repress and suppress quite a bit, right? Where mm-hmm. maybe they're going through quite a bit of stuff. You know, they kinda of push it back, then they finally come in, all this stuff comes out and it's like, Wow, I didn't realize <laughs> yeah, that. Exactly. I had this and this and this. Because once
0: you start like actually picking through it, you're like, oh this is a problem kind of thing, right?
1: Well, I think that's part of the fear, too, is, you know, if I opened up Pandora's box, what am I going to find in there? But, you know, the other side of that is once you open the box and you process that stuff, that's where, you know, a higher quality of life really comes into play. Absolutely.
0: So my my one, so this is, to me, is kind of naturally, like, flows into, like, a meditation or meditative, like, practice. So I don't know if you have anything to add (laughs) on to that. It seems very close.
1: <laughs> meditation. Oh, my gosh. There's <laughs> there's so many things I can say about meditation. It is fantastic. As I totally can. promote <laughs> mindfulness and meditation 100%. It's tough. I mean, the right. real side of it is it's meditation for so many people is very, very difficult because we live in a very high stimulating world, right? Like our phones are super stimulated. Any screen time is super mm-hmm. stimulating. The movies that we watch, I mean, even just music, you see shifts in music for what used to be in the 1950s and then listen to music now it's just so much more complex Um, so I think the idea of practicing mindfulness where you really just slow everything down and you're right here right now in this moment is extremely challenging for people I mean I've been practicing mindfulness and meditation for again like 10 years and I still struggle with it Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day basis it's tough
0: yeah I mean, I, I recently finally gave it a chance myself, and uh, I wrote about it on my on the website itself, too. It's like 30 days of Headspace, because I used the Headspace app. Yeah, Headspace is awesome. And um, the real reason I got it is from, like, they had a student deal, so it was like 9.99 a month, so there's no reason for money not, or 9.99 a year, sorry, and like, the regular price is like mm-hmm. $60 a year, which is still even not that expensive for what value you can get out of it. And... You know, for someone like me, who's super type A, where I'm always, I have an invisible tally of, like, everything I need to do <laughs> next, and so it's like, as soon as I finish one box, it's on to the next box, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so for even myself to give me one minute of time, I'm like, no, that's just counterintuitive to, like, the core of yeah. my being, right, and once I finally gave it a, a chance, and, like, before we started recording, it's like, I listen to podcasts, and, you know almost every top performer in the world who's been interviewed has basically said a mindfulness or meditative practice is like one of their things they use to mm-hmm. orient themselves. And it, it might even be like specific meditation. It could be like the gym as their like whatever Zen moment. And, you know, if you get that for like a 100 different people who are like the world's top performers who are quote unquote the busiest people in the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they can do it and make 10 minutes or 20 minutes of their day to do this every day or whatever and when they need it then you have no excuse right well again <laughs> you
1: bring up a- another really good point and that is meditation and mindfulness does not have to be you know what it is stereotypically thought of to be you don't have to sit in the You're corner right. with <laughs> your eyes closed your you know you don't gotta be a- the
0: Buddhist monk <laughs> right
1: if, if that's your style go for it but yeah. you know that's that doesn't have to be meditation at all I was at the gym earlier this morning I ran six miles and for mm-hmm. me those six miles so I was in my zone, and that was very meditative right. for me.
0: Yeah, so that's what been one of my fun things to do. Is like, So I'll still play the app because I like seeing the tally and make sure I'm doing the daily thing, but what I'll do is I'll play it when I just have moments to do it. Like if I'm driving, I'll put it on. Like Obviously, I'm not closing my eyes like it tells you to do, but...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Probably for the best time. Safety <laughs> first. You know, so so
0: it, it's, it's, like an, it's like an experiment to, to do it in different environments. So instead of having like that perfect environment where you're, you know, you're always... You know, Mm -hmm. locked into this one thing Which is good to do, I think, if you're first getting into it But I think it's better to do it when you have A lot of different things going on around you So that you can lock into that mode It's kind of like that, um If you think about champions of, like, sports or something Mm -hmm. Where, like, I don't know if you've heard I forget who it was It might have been, like, a martial artist or... Where he was like he would like sleep in a wheelbarrow or something like huh. right before his 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 round like on the champ like champion to so wow. really get himself in in the mode yeah the well he would sleep like he'd be asleep before and they have to like wake him up and then he would go out on the on the ring and then compete and it was like oh. he would just flip that switch uh-huh. and you would be right in that champion mindset and that's kind of what I like, kind of view meditation like in some way where you, where you, it's like being able to drop yourself into a state and then you can come out and be like, okay, I'm good, you know, like recharge your ba- mental batteries. <laughs>
1: Definitely and I think we're crossing too on on the border of what is like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Mm-hmm. Where the more I can see it, right, whatever it is that I'm trying to envision, whether yeah. it's right now like detoxifying negative thoughts or whether mm-hmm. it's okay, I have something big coming up and right now I need a de-stressor you know, I'm going to meditate and maybe use some type of self-fulfilling prophecy, I'm going to see it, whatever it is, happening okay, in my yeah. mind.
0: Yeah, really. Like, that's like a visualization mm-hmm, practice, basically, absolutely. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think those are really powerful, and I, I think if people, do, like, I know a lot of people have issues with visualization, as because it seems so weird, right? And the, the way, I, it's weird because it comes naturally to me, because I've read so many books growing up, especially fiction books, and so when I read fiction books, it's like I have a movie running in my head. Mm -hmm. and that's so visualization comes a little bit easier to me because I've been doing it already with with the form of books so I think if people kind of like use that mindset as like a running movie like if you're it takes a lot
1: of practice I think a lot of these things our brain is not naturally used to doing and so just like you have to train your body you know if you've never run before you're not going to go run a marathon you're going to start with a 5k maybe a 10k and you build up to it but again you know mindfulness meditation is the same way where Mm -hmm. initially a lot of people will tell me like Claudia this feels really uncomfortable i don't know what the heck i'm doing my mind is everywhere else but that's pretty normal i right? mean i think
0: that's the point though right because it the, the way i've described it since i'm so new in this is it's like when you first do it it's like you've got a whole bunch of knots and your brain just has to figure out how to yeah. get through the knots first. You know, and the, the other person like other podcasters have said he he's like it's like your monkey brain won't stop. And you like if you you know, you could sit there for your you know, nineteen of those twenty minutes and then for that last one minute when the monkey brain decides to stop, that's good.
2: Like you did get, you get yeah. you made it work. It doesn't have to have progress. For me, um, one of my buddies, um, he's super into the meditation thing and I've I used to have that like the stigma where I'm like I'm not gonna sit in a yeah. corner, dude. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? And that's what I thought that's literally that's what I thought it was until like recently. Yeah, you know what I mean, I just I, never, I've, I've been there too. <laughs> right. So I never, never ventured into that. So he told me um, he was like always advocating. He's like, dude, just do it. Like, come do yoga with me. Come, mm-hmm. you know. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, that's not that's, like, that's not your thing. <laughs> is, like going to the gym. Yeah. Or like writing. Um. So then finally I'm trying it, and then I was telling him I'm, like, yeah, man, I couldn't keep my thoughts or lack thereof in line you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I was scattered and he's like well did you notice it and I'm like yeah he's like well good he's like that's the point yeah that's notice. exactly it yes yeah, yeah. And I'm like that's actually really cool you know yeah. what I mean mm-hmm. um that it's that simple in a sense mm-hmm. where just being aware of your thoughts. Yeah, it's just an awareness. It's you know. an
1: awareness, and you know the, the clinical term for what we're talking about right now is called thought diffusion. Oh, and really? the idea oh, right. of thought diffusion is, the second I have a thought that enters my brain, mm-hmm. right? I'm not gonna change it, I'm not gonna try and push it away, I'm mm-hmm. gonna simply notice that the thought is there, and ironically, by simply noticing it, and not judging it, not pushing it away, yeah. the thought actually dissipates much quicker. And that oh. exactly is what mindfulness is, thought oh. diffusion. Well done, Jordan.
2: That's
0: really interesting, yeah, because like the the metaphors that they use to describe it is like when you're doing it's like, you, you know, you have a stream, right? And on the stream you have leaves, right? And yeah, if, and, yeah. In, in, in normal everyday in normal operation, every leaf is a thought, and you're picking up every one of those leaves and giving it one second of thought mm-hmm. and then before you put it back. And so what you're saying is like, mm-hmm. instead of, as you become aware of those thoughts, you don't pick them up. You just look at them and they just go it's by. That's by. exactly by. right. And that's it, exactly right. And the metaphor can change for different types of people. Like, certain people would better be better off visioning, like, a, a fast car like intersection where cars are just flowing by crazy, you know, because some mm-hmm. people have, like, that you know, that crazy, yes. jam-packed mind, but, you know, it depends on what you what resonates with you, I right, think. Right, whatever I, metaphor works. Because I think that's, like, the big issue when it comes to meditation, is we have so much, that's why you call it headspace in my article, because meditation itself has so much context mm-hmm. wrapped around it you mm-hmm. know with preconceived notions of what you'd expect it to be and right. whatever and, and I think too it's part of the westernized stigma of it because it's so eastern sure. m- at least broadly speaking sure and, but a lot of that stuff is kind of diffusing now into the most of the culture and being able to kind of demystify and people like hey this is just this is just what it is you know don't you know, just here's surface level. Here's how you do it. Here's the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. Just try it. Because, like, the, the thing that really got me is kind of like when you're trying to get someone to work out for the first time. You can talk about how good you feel and how amazing it is and, like, all the positive benefits. But that person hasn't experienced any of those positive benefits yet because they have to get through that barrier mm-hmm. of getting their body in it, starting to eat a little better maybe. And then once they start feeling better and seeing the changes... Then they're like, oh, this is what I've been missing. Right. But because they have no context as to what that means yet, they can't get oh, past it you're exactly
1: <laughs> right and that's where you know you you really kind of have to try it several times yeah you know, and try a lot of different things and then you pick and choose what works yeah for you you know and I'll be totally honest and this is my field too I can't do the sit in a corner breathe in and out <laughs> like that doesn't work for me so the gym is something that works for me a lot yeah. more journaling can be super helpful sometimes mm-hmm. too listening to music so it doesn't have to be again it doesn't have to be that but you know you really have to you have to practice it you have to train your brain mm-hmm. to go there you know it's like a, your brain's like a little a puppy dog, right? It's gonna start
0: wandering off, and then right. you just have to bring it back and keep yeah. bringing it back, to train it. Yeah, it's been weird for me too, is because like, I, I the the path that I've gone down is kind of like it started out with where I kind of had this mental side of it. Like school was fine, I had a decent job, or whatever. And then I was like, well, there's this whole other thing, you know, like the idea of the mind and body, you know, the 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 symbiosis of those things. And then I was kind of like, okay, I've never really given myself a chance to be like work out or be athletic or whatever. And I was like. You know, thanks to Jordan, he planted the seed to be like, you gotta start going to the gym, you'll, you'll, you'll like it. I'm like, ugh, oh, gave the excuse, I'm, I'm busy, I work all the time, and active enough, whatever. And then eventually I just kind of made the decision that I was gonna go, and I mean, I was one of those people that was drinking like six cans of pop a day, and, uh, it drives me crazy even <laughs> to even think about that nowadays, because I don't even drink any pop anymore, and, um... Now with this meditation thing, it's like there's like this third component that's like, you know, it's like mind, body, but mind, like intellect, and then like some other like, quote unquote spiritual, I don't even know how you would explain it yet, because it's, it's, it's so new to me. And I don't, I I keep talking, telling this to everybody I, I talk to, because I think it's really important because it's like a different type of using your mind, right? Cause you're not, it's like a consciousness kind of thing.
1: Definitely. Spirituality is, it's a, it's a tough topic, right? Because it's so different for so many people. What it may mean for me, maybe totally different for you, maybe totally different from you. And I don't really know that there is one answer for what spirituality is. Yeah,
0: they're really, I mean, it's just not, it's just like what, it's just like a labeling term really is Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to describe it as. Because I think we all have to balance those three components, I think, to some degree. Because if one is out of balance, then all the rest of them are going to be weaker, right? You know those people, right? I mean, there's a reason top performers in the world are all being mindful or doing things, you know, mm-hmm. to work out, to, you know... They're doing all these things that keep themselves, you know, their intellect sharp, their mind sharp, they're, you know, them calm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, you know, trying to find those patterns, I guess, is,
2: like, my thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was going to say, um, I feel like to kind of be at, like, your peak performance yeah. from person to person is kind of to have that like trinity right yeah exactly um so that kind of brings me to ask you do you i don't know how much you can say but um like with your clients and stuff do you um like teach that or like tell your clients they should
1: So, I mean, you know, spirituality, again, it really just depends on where people are with that. Some people Mm -hmm. are not ready to handle that topic. And so I'm never going to push someone into the spiritual realm, (laughs) you know, when they're not there yet. But if it comes up in session as something that's important, I'll definitely explore that, you know, with with patients 100%. Um, I do believe it's important, but... You know, there's ways to still maintain, you know, a healthy level of mental health functioning, even if that's the piece that isn't fully developed yet. That one takes time. That one probably mm-hmm. takes more time than I think any of them. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Right. I think you, you have to go, because there's, there's so many people have different relationships because it's something that is kind of hardwired into you, like when you're born. You know, because we all born, most of us are born with some sort of predetermined religious or spiritual background from our parents, right?
1: Yeah. And so it's kind
0: of like a journey for every person to either accept it for what it is and then they take a run with it or you find your own path with it in whatever form that decides to take.
1: Right. And I think that's why it maybe takes a little bit longer because, again, obviously religion is, is not spirituality. You know, right, I, yeah. I think the two are very separate things, but. They're
0: very close, but they're not. They're. they're p- the, the people use them interchangeably even though they're not the same. Yeah,
1: right. You know, one can be super spiritual without being religious. Yes. You know, and so, but the difficulty is growing up, you know, if you were born, into a very religious household and you don't Mm -hmm. seem to, you know, identify with the ideals of whatever your religion is, that can leave a salty taste in people's mouths. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So a little bit later, I think that's where it takes time for people to identify what their relationship with spirituality is. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I really agree with that. So then kind of going back, this is kind of a newer thing. I don't know if you have anything to add about it yet, but... So I've been reading Michael Pollan's book, is How to Change Your Mind. And so it's all the new research on the psychedelics and things like that and how this is... <laughs> and how this is changing the, the landscape of it. And I don't know if you have any opinions on it or anything like that, and judging by your reaction, I think it's really funny. You know, that,
1: again, that's that's a topic that we could probably talk about for, like, seven weeks and right, never come to an immediate answer right.
0: with. but that's half the fun. Yeah,
1: you know, I think there's obviously a big debate about that stuff, um, and all I will say is to each their own. Obviously, yeah. they've done a ton of different studies about that in the 60s and 70s. They lived, you know, a different lifestyle. That right. then. Um Yeah, you know, so you hear, you hear about, you know, the psilocybin mushrooms, you hear about the acid and LSD and how that mm-hmm. can transform brain functioning and things like that. I I don't know that I have, you know, a very solid position on it, and so that's why I'm gonna deflect from it simply because it's such an unknown area. Right. Everyone has such a different experience
0: yeah. with that stuff. Yeah, it was just it was more of just a cursory want to see if you've been following up on it because I think psychology will be the first place that it gets Implemented in any way, mm-hmm. and I mean the studies are still very early on. They just finally started doing uh, map studies with, I think it's drug resistance depression, in um, East Coast. I forget what lab that is.
1: Right. But you so know, they were using ketamine and all sorts
0: of. Different yeah, ketamine is another one mm-hmm. that's going to be probably one of the first mm-hmm. ones to switch over. But yeah, I'm just curious if you had any.
1: It's such a new field, right? Right, It's such a new field to consider drugs that were at one point, you know, like no-nos, right? Right, Like the hallucinogens, (laughs) to to consider that in some form of of medical treatment. But it's happened before. We've seen this happen in terms of, you know, medicine, right? Right. Where different analgesics are now being used, whether it's, you know, I don't know, pain medication that at one point was like a big no-no. Now we're literally using it, whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know... I don't know. It's it's a it's a tough topic for me to talk about it because I don't know exactly how I feel about it yet. right yeah, I'm totally I'm fair. trying to figure out my space with
0: it. Right, and I mean that makes sense though because you're this is your field and you're you're it's hard to be adaptive at the same time as being relevant, right? Cause you, right, because you're you work with this stuff every day, and so mm-hmm. you're just trying to stay on top of what's the best thing you can do right now for your patients, and then to think about something that might be coming in the next. Ten years, but five But I can years. tell you,
1: I, I'm very much so open to right. learning so much more about it. I'd love to see the studies. I really yeah. would. I think it's super duper interesting at you, the least. I can
0: send you some information that I've, because I've been following guys that pour their own money into the research yeah. to be able to make this stuff happen, you know? Okay, and awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just cool stuff. I just think, to me, it's like part of the, the thing is the westernized view of medicine that we have, where it's, oh, there's a problem, and now we have to start, fixing the problem with Mm -hmm. with a drug or something Mm -hmm. whereas realistically it should be preventative and it should be like, oh, hey, these things are starting to look out of line let's start doing this like put you on a, like a better diet put you on a little bit of exercise like these things that you can do to, to mitigate you know risk right, right. <laughs> if you were to look at it from like a like a economic standpoint
1: right you know the long term effects of of these drugs are unknown we don't know that right. we don't have that information yet and so that's where I would love personally to see right. some type of longitudinal study on literally what happens to the brain 20 years down the road 30 mm-hmm. years down the road and then then I can have you know maybe a more solid standpoint yeah. on it
0: but and it's totally fair I mean That just doesn't exist because when you you taboo something Mm -hmm. like that, then you just halt
2: the entire progress of anything, right? Because you just don't know. So uh, I feel like that's such a slippery slope, though, right? Like I feel like like those studies getting out there and people being able to like now you're hearing about that stuff again. It's people like oh yeah, like shrooms are perfectly fine. So here's yeah. So I'm like I'm like yeah, but those are like controlled. Yes. You know, it's in a controlled yes. sense, you know what I mean? It's not just like, here, so, here <laughs> eat all that. You know, know. what I mean? It's like, I'm like, I feel like people are in... I was having this conversation. It can make it way too easy. It is a
0: very much a slippery slope. And so I will caveat that by saying the, the idea of the use I'm, I'm describing, or at least I wanted to ask about if there could ever be a possibility is, is with a therapist in the room and they're trained to understand what it's like, what this patient's going to go through and they can guide them through it. It's guided. It's basically like a guided trip is what it would be like. And so it's very structured and very scientific. Right. And you're advocating for that. sense. Absolutely. Not recreationally ever. No way. <laughs>
1: it's interesting. It's such a progressive idea, right? It's such a radical idea it that, is. <laughs> you know, and again, I think we've seen tremendous strides in mental health and just different treatment forms that, yes. who knows, you know, give it 10 years. Maybe right. we'll be
0: there. Give it 20 I mean, years. I'm also not saying, too, it's for everyone, because even in the screenings they did for finding patients that were drug-resistant, they screened people to make sure you didn't have history of uh, psychotic breaks, even within your family. So anyone with, like, schizophrenic oh, episodes I, or anything yeah. like that, so they made sure that these people aren't, they're not going to have so sort of bad trip that's gonna trigger something. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you know I, I don't want to say like this is gonna be a magic cure all pill or anything or whatever, you know. You just go do a trip and you'll be, you know, fine, whatever, but I just think it's it's just a new avenue of research and just like to try and understand the brain in new ways. <laughs>
2: right.
1: It is. Again, I think you know we, we should keep an open mind to it. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think that's that's really kind of where we're at with it now. Again, let the studies progress and let's right. kind of see what comes from them.
0: Cool. So from there, I guess we could kind of back up a little bit and say, "How did you get into psychology?"
1: <laughs> oh man, I've been asked this question like a million okay. times, and I, you know, I wish I had some like super cool story to tell yeah. you. I don't. <laughs> um, I just I started taking psych courses, and I thought they were super cool. I, you know, and then I progressed further, and college psych level <laughs> courses were obviously more into it. And I was like, "Right, okay." Like I really kind of like this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked in a lab for a little bit. Um, human behavior to me is so. Fascinating. The brain to me is the most fascinating thing out there. There is nothing more complex than the human brain. No machine even comes close yeah. to what the human brain is capable of. And so, you know, seeing it malfunction, if you will, yeah. cannot, leading to all these disorders that we have or, you know, whether to a genetic predisposition that, you know, factors into that. But yeah, human behaviors is, is fascinating to me. And so I knew I wanted to do something with it. And I knew I wanted to do something to better the world that we live in. I mean, yeah. Call it cheesy, call it whatever you want, but
0: I... I think that's just a human trait. Everyone wants to make the world a little bit better. Then, yeah. then, then,
2: then,
0: you know, like, it's just, yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I think it's being a little cynical and unfair to yourself by saying it's cheesy. <laughs> you know, I want
1: to leave, I want to leave this world knowing that I made some type of difference. And right. whether that's just one person, whether that's a hundred people, or whether that's a thousand people. Yeah. You know, that's where I get my solace, that's where I get my gratitude from. Is if I can walk out knowing I made some difference somewhere, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah.
2: Go ahead, you Oh, I was, I was just thinking, um me and eric's brother actually before this were just talking about that it's weird how stuff you know what i mean like stuff is repetitive. it's just floating around and yeah <laughs> like that's so weird but we we're talking about how uh kind of me and him both respectively ultimately want to help people or do more for other people yeah and you said like everyone wants to do that the sad part is i feel like not everyone wants to do that you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and so i feel like it speaks to the character of people who genuinely yeah like. I think I
0: think it's I think it's something that you you wrestle with, on a daily basis when you, when it's like part of your core drive, right? Because yes, there I mean there are selfish people out there, right? I mean if you like take a hundred people, there's going to be at least one asshole, right? <laughs> Realistically, yeah. But like I think for the vast majority of people, they don't aren't going to be like, oh you, you have it worse than me, thank God, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, generally speaking, right? Law of large numbers kind of thing. But I just think like when you like think about how. When she said, like, she didn't have this, this drive. She wasn't, like, a six year old girl. It was like, I'm going to be a psychologist one day. And it kind of talks about what we were talking about when we were talking about passion. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you just got to try something. And all of a sudden, if it just strikes you and it's just like, yeah, this is, like, something I can see myself doing. And then you just follow that for as long as that spark lasts for, right? Because sometimes it doesn't last forever. <laughs>
1: right. You know, no, yeah, it's six at even 16, you know. If right. someone were to tell me Claudia, you're going to grow up to be a mental health therapist. I'm like
0: uh, no, <laughs>
1: no, I'm not. <laughs> um, but then, you know, I, I stuck my feet in there. I shadowed some people and mm-hmm. I was like, wow, you know, this, this is actually impactful. You know, yeah. I could never in my life see myself and, and to those who do it, you know, totally fair. But personally, I could never see myself sitting in a cubicle right yeah. under artificial lighting, right. breathing, recycled air. Like that is so <laughs> not for it me, sounds so deadening. It, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, those people that do that task, we need those people. And that's yeah, fantastic. Right? But personally, that's not satisfying what my needs are Mm -hmm. you know my job is tough and not every day is this amazing like oh my god this insightful moment happened in such a day (laughs) like god no not at all but I can tell you when those moments do happen it's like I walk out of the office I'm like yeah like that's what
0: I came here to do (laughs) (laughs) and it is it's so self-gratifying yeah that's really cool like it's it's funny like you're like striking on so many things that I've thought about myself with being you know, being like a cog in the machine kind of thing, right? Where you're just not there's no self actualization where we like every day you go in you're like, Well, I'm gonna do the same thing today that I did yesterday and I'm gonna go to sleep and I'm gonna wake up and do the same thing again. Sounds terrible and terrifying, right? And then like the other side of it is like having a job, whatever that decides to be. I think a lot of people look at it the wrong way. It's kind of like, you know, they they work to, like, they live to work instead of living, working to live. Right. They right? exist. Yeah. Right? They, That's
1: it. They just exist. And, and,
0: I, and I think when you start to look at it from a different side of it, right, like, being able to use your job and have it be fulfilling enough, right, but then also give you the freedom to explore and any area that you feel like you want to explore outwards into is is what I think is another part of it and then it kind of again was like not everybody's gonna want to do that Mm -hmm. but because there's gonna be those people that are gonna want to dive deep onto one thing forever but it's fine Mm -hmm. because you need those kind of people right Right. I just think you need to be able to know what you're gonna need to drive and like that's kind of who I am is I'm always gonna need a new challenge in some form or fashion certainly
1: i think you have to know what what your needs are people have different needs in this world some people Mm -hmm. value rigidity structure routine you know and again that's why we need those people other people value adventure spontaneity challenge (laughs) you have to know where you lie on the spectrum and then either get a job or you know create a lifestyle that's conducive to what your needs and your values
0: I, i think nowadays too is that because of the power of the internet and things like that you can make the it's like the job that you're going to do isn't going to fit a box, so to speak. It Like, there's, you know, there's job applications, but you're going to fit that thing, and then you're going to grow outside of it, and you're going to make your own job, right? Uh-huh. The job you're going to do, it doesn't exist yet, basically. Because you're, the, what you uniquely bring to something is is only you. <laughs> I
1: like that, yeah. No, no, I totally agree with that.
0: Because like, it, I think about this a lot, because, like, because of what I've been able to accomplish in my life already is, like... I don't know how I've done it half the time, and it's like, well, I'm just here and I just figured it out, kind of. You know, and that's half of it. It's just like, you just get it, and you're, you know, like, if you're supposed to do the job you're qualified to do, you'd probably be sweeping the floor somewhere. Right.
2: <laughs>
0: Realistically. So it's kind of like one of those things is giving yourself the okay to just try and mm-hmm. be like, I can do this thing. And then the other side is do you have any mentors? 'Cause I think mentors are something that people get overlooked. Or if it could be books or something that are impactful. Definitely, in that way.
1: yeah. So I mean I, I I do look up to a lot of people. Um, So professionally, Gabby Bernstein um, is a fantastic source. She's um, actually just came out with a book called The Judgment Detox, which is Mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic. So she's great. I recently started following this guy on Instagram. I don't actually know his real name, but he goes by (laughs) he goes by the Angry Therapist, and I love him because he's yeah. Yeah, I love him because he's so blunt, you know, and that's much more my style. I don't do this cushy like oh, tell me how you feel. Like that's that's not my vibe. That's not I don't do that. Yeah. Um, and so I connect really well with him. I like the message that he sends. But yeah. I think reading, you know, reading, listening to podcasts, getting right. out there, shadowing people that are in a position that you want to be, you know, five years down the road. Yeah. That's that's mandatory. You have to do that. That's how you grow. Mm-hmm. That's how you learn.
0: Yeah. Like for me, this like podcast, I think, is one of this, th- this, this new medium of absorbing information again. Well, it's a rediscovering of absorbing information because conversations have been exist in everywhere. But the power of a podcast is the sense that you can get these people who are top performers in the world and you get to they get like trapped, you know, in multiple hour conversations, if if that's the format of the podcast that is. And you get a really good sense of who they are and what makes them tick, if mm-hmm. it's a well formatted podcast. And I think that kind of like you can use that as a compass then so like if it's someone you really look up to like there's podcasts of like arnold schwarzenegger right so if you really like look up to arnold schwarzenegger and you're like a bodybuilder or something or like whatever You can, like, go find his podcast and listen to it and, like, put that on repeat and use it as, like, your motivation tape, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) and I mean, think about it. It's so easy, right? Like, you can listen to a podcast at the gym. You can listen to a podcast (laughs) driving in the car if you've got a long commute. You can listen to a podcast while you're doing dishes or doing housework. It's so convenient. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to read something. You just listen.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think, too, is, like, when I first started doing it, I was like, how am I going to do this? Like, I'm not going to learn anything. Like, I didn't really think I was going to learn much from it because, like, you don't really think that you're learning because you're just listening, right? Because you're not actively taking notes or anything uh-huh. like that, whatever. Like, you, like, you know, kind of like structured classroom environment where we all assume that's learning, right? And I use learning in quotes there for those of you who can't see. <laughs> um, and I think when you start listening to stuff, you want up realizing you, you absorb way more than you would have expected. Mm-hmm. And you could probably attest to this and half of my friends could probably attest to this. I listen to a po- at least probably two to three podcasts a day on average multiple hours like most of my day and I, I'll like regurgitate information to these guys and I'm pretty sure they probably tune me out because of how much I have to say <laughs> and it's, it's crazy though is how much I absorb just from like being literally being an information sponge well you have
1: to know how you learn right some yeah. people like to read and that's how they mm-hmm. absorb information some people like to listen some people like to do you have to know mm-hmm. what it is that you absorb information right. doing
0: yeah I mean I think for me doing is one of the big ones too is like being able to see it and touch it and like make it do something or whatever, is really helps being able to like solidify it into a different form, yeah. right? Right. Because it's like once you can see it, you're like, oh, that makes sense, right? It kind of yeah. connects things together. Sure.
1: And then maybe the person sitting next to you, though, if you tell them to do the same thing, they're going to become right. completely overwhelmed yeah. and not be able to do it because they didn't read the book on how to do it first yeah. and that's mm-hmm. how they retain information. Yeah.
2: Like I'm very practical. Yeah. For example, you're like, podcasts are kind of hard some they used to be hard for me if i like if i hear something like concentration and i can't purposes. turn and like do it oh like, okay put my hands okay. on it I, it's hard for me to retain it like i have to be super interested mm-hmm. for me to retain it if it's kind of like oh that's cool but that's it it's just you know, like, yeah. oh, forget it you know what i mean it's just it's weird it's weird how that works right you know?
0: yeah i mean i, I get that I get, for me too is like so my my big problem is so a lot of our friends are nurses are going to school for nursing and stuff like that Mm-mm. and so when they're doing it and i've heard this from multiple sources now at this point is like when you're taking anatomy and things like that that's all rote memorization you basically just you need to start learning mm-hmm. terms and you know like learning other parts of the body the organs whatever all the different bones and you just need to know it right And so my background as an engineer is, like, we use science and first principle ways through everything. So as long as I know the foundation of how things work, I can basically kind of explain and understand things, you know, from from a pretty complex level. I can kind of just logic my way through it. Mm -hmm. But when you go into a nursing field like that, you can't do that. You just need to build up your knowledge base up, and it only can happen via just memorization right and there's no other way to do it and so you kind of just have to grin and bear it and just get through it and i'm just like god that sounds like the worst mm. form of torture to me
1: it's, it's tough right you don't really <laughs> learn the skills until you start doing your practicum or yeah. your clinicals or your rotation
0: yeah and that, that's the other thing they told they to too so i follow a, a, a medical doctor he's uh peter t is his name and so he his podcast is like him and he interviews all of his other md doctor friends in like the tops of their fields and so you get to be a fly on the wall of, like, literally, you know, 20, 30 years of experience in, like, the craziest, like, right. lipidology and stuff like that. And I, so I've listened to hours of that stuff. It's, like, he compares it to doing, like, like graduate-level, like, studying. If you listen to his podcast, it's really weird. And I don't know why I'm as into it as I am, but I just love it for some reason. And, like, when he talks about stuff, it's, like, you just, he's, like, yeah, he's, like, I didn't really learn as much until after I got out of like into med school basically you know
1: (laughs) 100 percent. i have learned more and you know my grad program was absolutely fantastic so shout out to them but where'd you go to school illinois state so i got my my bachelor's and my master's there um and their master's program in clinical counseling was spot on it was awesome but i mean even for me i mean there's i don't know whether you call it a weed out process or just kind of the basics of having to get through it but Mm -hmm. i learned the most out of grad school when i did my practicum when i got my first job i i learned more there than i ever did in school.
0: Yeah I mean that sounds about right because like when I so I started working at the lab that I work at still to this day and I think once I got to like be in the lab and starting to learn like how this stuff works and then take it back to the classroom be like it just like started connecting the dots way more because it's like oh that's why they're making us learn this thing and that thing and Mm -hmm. then it just kind of like you just get this better sense of like how everything kind of just fits together because there's I think there's certain parts of like just learning that because you're not exposed to it in in the I'm trying to like find the word it's like you have to be exposed to it in a specific way to like put it in front of you to be able to connect it properly because if it's just like a word in a book it's hard to see it right
1: right right. well and that's you know that's interesting too because you know we've you know before this we talked about the structure of school and the education system and how that's tough for some people but I think there are changes that are happening there too Mm -hmm. and Huntley High School, shout out to Huntley. (laughs) They have a fantastic program going on right now, where they have something called blended classes, where you don't actually have to be in the classroom. It's a learn on your own program. They have an entire medical academy there, so really, they're the revolution of, you know, yeah, progressive. Mm -hmm. So we're moving. I think it's a slow process to get out of it, but I think we're moving in the right direction with schooling.
0: I, I I would really hope so, and I think for me, it wasn't like. School really wasn't fun until I hit college because of the way the, my program was structured. It was very it was very much like you learn from the book and then like the lab structure was al- allowed you to take what you learned the previous day basically and then apply it. and you get to see it and use, you like use equipment to measure mm-hmm. things and you really get to play with it and then t- the instructor, are, they're all from industry too. So they treated it like a business during the lab time. So he would come in. He would say, here's what you guys are doing today. Here's your sheet. Fill it out. Finish yeah. it. When yeah. you're done, you're done. You can go. And then for those of you who are good, you teach everybody else. Oh. So And then and then that's he uses that as a weed-out process it, internally to find out who are the... Right, like you who are
1: the, and then you had to become the teacher. Who are the rising stars, right. basically.
0: So then he's like, oh, you're going to be one of those people, you know, that's going to be, you know teaching other people and I think that kind of applicate like business minded to to a classroom I Mm -hmm. think really helps because I think when you start teaching something and like explaining things to other people it starts you start learning it about it yourself Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. like I I can tell even from this podcast alone like I was talking about similar ideas but the more I talk about it I'm refining those ideas and talking about them better every time right (laughs) right. it's it's interesting you
1: learn from the process and then you learn from yourself you keep doing it you find you know ways to teach better yeah
0: better ways to like You know, trim the fat, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it's been, everything's a process for me. I I really use, so like, engineering to me isn't just like, you know, I'm technically electrical and stuff like that, but I don't think, uh, like, engineering is, is what I do. But an uh, engineering is a mindset that I use to operate with in the world. It's just a mindset and problem solving skill set, and that's yep. it. And I use that and apply that in every form of my life. <laughs> and so that's kind of what I view it. So like you, you, like for you, I would assume there's like a psychological lens that you can view the world through, and then you can apply that. In well, some way. and I'll tell
1: you this: the the irony <laughs> of that is, you know. Uh, I get asked all the time, you know, Claudia, like when you're not working, are you analyzing yeah, I people <laughs> or, you know, I don't think no, I'm so. not, not. The flat out answers, absolutely not, because doing that takes so much mental energy. Right. I am very good at compartmentalizing. Mm-hmm. When I leave the office, I'm done. Right. And you have to, that's so important to create boundaries like that. Yeah. I mean, I cannot possibly take my job home with me and I don't want yeah. to because there's all these other components of who I am, you know, yeah. my job is my job and that's a part of what I do, but mm-hmm. that's certainly not who I am, you know. My job will never define who I am as a person. It's just a role you fill. Exactly, right? (laughs) And I I encourage other people, you know, have other interests. Your job job is a gigantic piece of your life, Mm -hmm. and it will be. You know, we spend 40-plus hours there, if not more, but... You know, there's all these other factors and components of who you are. And to be a well-rounded person, you really Mm -hmm. need to foster and create those. So I do. I leave work at work and then I go travel and I go do fun things. I I think it's (laughs) worth
0: mentioning, too. So because you seem like, you know, you're like this person who's busy and you're, you know, a professional, right? But then you get to travel. And I think that's something that, you know, everyone says they want to do more of, but they never do it because it seems daunting, Mm -hmm. right? But I think it's a lot... And, and unfortunately, I haven't been able to do it myself, but it's on the list, and I've already got, you know, probably at least a half dozen places where I'm going to be going. But I just got to finish school first before I can do make the make the leap. And so if you have anything to add, like how you do it or whatever. Do it. Travel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Besides just do it, because like I, think, I think getting practical with it and explaining to people that it's not as daunting, because you can really... It's not as expensive as I think people make it out to be. There's
1: ways, you know, you, you can go very glamorous, right? Right. And, and you can, you can do that. But then there's definitely ways to travel where, you know, you're only spending a couple hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And so be smart about it. Be smart about mm-hmm. where you're staying. You know, if you are going to be out and about with whatever trip you're taking and you recognize, okay, 90% of my time is going to be spent outside or doing stuff, don't get the nice hotel. Like, yeah. why why mm-hmm. spend money when right. you're Right, yeah, that doesn't make here. any sense, right? Mm-hmm. If you're
0: just going to be using it as a place to sleep. <laughs> right, there's,
1: yeah. there's many ways to... To do it but travel to me i mean that's near and dear to my heart and i travel a lot do especially favorite, this year. Places? Ooh, favorite places oh favorite places <laughs> top five
0: maybe i guess if that makes it easier i think <laughs> one of the
1: places i'm really big into hiking like huge okay. avid hiker um and one of my favorite places i've ever been to probably has been yosemite in california yeah. it is just another world it's incredible i, I just mean, watched
0: um free solo yes me too oh my god I, my palms were so sweaty during that whole movie. Was, I'm a big Alex Honnold fan, big oh my, time. Yeah. That, I mean, that was go crazy. The, so the free soloing <laughs> is- okay, I have
2: no idea what that is. So free
0: soloing is you climb with zero equipment. Oh. So, and he climbed- No El, ropes, no nothing. He climbed El Capitan. Free Solo That's terrifying It's absolutely terrifying And you know he lives Because the movie Wouldn't have been made (laughs) Yeah But the entire time And the way they film it You're just like Oh god he's gonna die He's gonna die He's gonna die And then like They do some really cool science And like juxtaposition How they filmed it Because they had his girlfriend And his girlfriend's like You're insane he's like Yes I know and they did brain scans of his uh, amygdala, which is the fear center, and so his brain... It's not there. They couldn't find um, it. <laughs> well, what it is is, is, is his, the signal that his amygdala needs to take is much, like, orders of magnitude larger than the average person to feel fear. Okay, so he's weird. <laughs> so.
1: Which to me, though, is absolutely fascinating right, because know, I'm, I'm not quite thing. on that level and I would never attempt to to do that, right, like, yeah. But I'm a huge thrill seeker. I'm mm-hmm. a big, big, big sensation seeker. Ask any of my friends. And so I, I really appreciated the fact that they looked into
2: that. Yeah, yes, I thought so that was it interesting. I was not
1: firing right. you know, per normal, whatever that even means. But yeah. yeah, and again, I think that goes to, like if we're gonna bring this full circle, that goes to fill your life with whatever your needs and values are. Yeah. It's very high high on the sensation-seeking scale, so clearly he made a career yeah. out of it, and he's super satisfied
0: with yeah, it. Yeah, me, me and my friend Mike, we were actually talking about it the other day, about, like, w- what that meant to him, right? Because, like, that was, like, his obsession. He's, I think he would spent, like, eight years thinking about doing mm-hmm. it and never did it. Like, he's like, yeah, maybe I'll do it this year, and then just, like, never got around to it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he finally, when he was doing it for that documentary... Like to to me we were talking about it's like for him that's like, you know, going to the moon, right? So that's his going to the moon and it's like humanity as a as a species, we kind of create these these challenges for ourselves, right? In in different corners of the world and like Th- there's, that's like the biggest accomplishment ever in like rock climbing right you know free mm-hmm. soloing El Capitan and then like he said he's like someone's gonna do like maybe he's like I don't know if it'll be me or someone else is like well he did it now let's go find something harder to climb kind right. of thing and it's kind of like always pushing that boundary forward is kind of like an inbuilt thing but it's like it's not for everyone right like, right <laughs> well
1: but then you wonder too is if there's always a push for like more 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 right. how can someone ever be satisfied you do something yeah. that's a tremendous accomplishment yeah. and you're in it for a minute and then you have the,
0: okay, now what? I think I think he, though, by the end of that movie, like just using his, his app, as an example, he did seem pretty satisfied with his position, I think.
1: He did, and I, I hope which is interesting, for him. Which I yeah, which thought was
0: really interesting because it didn't seem like he'd be that kind of person where once he accomplished it, he'd be like, oh, I'm good. You know? Right. But I think it's weird, though, because he he never really, like, had a girlfriend that was serious. You know, he moved in, and, like, it seemed like his life was shifting in some way, which is also interesting, because he, he even said, like, I noticed it because he said he's, like, not good at saying I love you, and he said it at the end of the movie. He did. And he it did. Was, and it was really, <laughs> really normal-sounding. Like, it wasn't forced. It was, like, he really was genuine about uh-huh. it, and I thought that showed a lot about his own character development <laughs>
1: it did and you know and again like we're we're kind of going off on a tangent with what i'm about to say but what it's i okay. thought was super interesting was just the the different love languages that him and his girlfriend right, has yeah. she was very you know words of affirmation tell me you yeah. love me i need to hear all that and he was not he yeah, showed like, uh. her right he did things yeah and, you know maybe he did stuff for her but you know i think that's an interesting thing to talk about too is just mm-hmm. different love languages and how people tend to pair together because the two of them were very different. Right, Very yeah. Very different.
0: I mean, that's that's a whole different discussion, and I'm totally open to go as far as we want into that. That's really interesting. I never even thought about that. Because it's like, I don't think it's something you, you, you think it's so subconscious, right? Because, like, you do what just seems normal to you, right? And
1: that. <laughs> is not what someone else may need right? You know? yeah. and that's where and I talk about this all the time all the time with the patients I see in love languages so there's five of them um, you have words of affirmation mm-hmm. acts of service what else do we have physical touch um, anyway there's five of them but you know the problem is is that when you give your love language to someone and maybe that's not their primary love language mm-hmm. so if my love language is words of affirmation and my partner's love language is acts of service mm-hmm. you know I'm giving him so much affirmation, 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 but he's not feeling love simply because that's not his love language. Right. right. You know, and that leads to so much frustration. When at the end of the day, it's like there actually is so much love and care there, but there's a mismatch. <laughs> right.
2: So mis- to me, it's like a, a glorified miscommunication. Exactly. Yeah, it really is. Exactly. exactly. And it's important <clears throat> to know that. And um, me and my girlfriend actually had not in a literal sense that discussion, but we definitely went through that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I figured out. I like, think that's something you need to makes, talk about in some way. You you have to, you definitely have to. I feel like um, it goes a long way. And again, it's not so literal. It's like okay, so what do you want me to buy you gifts every day? Like it can't. Yeah. Because you know I mean? like, well, that sounds like standoffish. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's like that's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> but like really trying to mutually understand each other. Yeah. Um, it goes a long way, and yeah, like that. It was weird that you can break it up that way, and like. If you're one way, yeah, isn't it weird to think that someone else?
1: Absolutely, we like, like I mean? to think yeah. that people have the same minds that we do. We right. like to think that people think the exact same yeah. way we do, and it's yeah. like no, 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 no. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean, that,
0: that's been like one of the huge things for me is this understanding that, you know, what one how one person interprets something is can be a hundred percent different than the way you've interpreted it, in any way, right? And like that's why I think you know having these kind of conversations is super helpful. Because the more you get, you get used to different viewpoints, the less you're like, "Oh, my way isn't what everybody else is thinking, right?" Right, and again, I think that's where
1: a tremendous amount of personal growth happens when you can take someone else's perspective. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, and again, not even try to change it, but literally just try to understand. Yeah, just un- it. Just, just understand. Just doing,
0: just being like, "Oh, okay, I see it." I, I was just reading a, a really long article uh, the earlier this week, and it's by a journalist. And his name is Shane Snow, and he. He writes about, like, team building and and kind of, like, organizing yourself. And he wrote this article called Intellectual Humility. So it's this new concept or newer-ish concept of basically being able to step out of your ideas and being able to take and change your, your own viewpoint, basically. And so it's looking at kind of, like... And, and it combines it with the uh, openness to new experiences dimension of the big five Yeah, to be, ab- to, mm-hmm. to be able to put you on a qu- like in quadrants. So like if you're really low in intellectual humility, but also really open, you're just stuck in your own viewpoints. Mm-hmm. And you're like the worst per- person to argue with because they'll never move. Right. And then if you're like really high in intellectual humility, but you're really low in openness, you're just like, eh. I don't really. Can't, I, I'm not going to move out of my own bubble, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I think you know, knowing where you stand, knowing what yeah. your character is, knowing what your values are, but having the ability to take on someone else's perspective and simply understand yeah. why they think that way or where they're coming mm-hmm. from—that is
0: like the epitome of a well-rounded um, yeah. person. I mean, it. It to me is like I read that thing and I was like, oh my god, this is like everybody needs to read this, especially people in government. Like, <laughs> 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 I'm just like this is like I can't like I scream it from the rooftops. I like shared it on like my. Discord and like anyone who i think would get any sort of value from it which is also weird too because it leads me into like a self-selection bias because i've already taken the big five for myself and i'm like 95th percentile and open this new experience and then i was like okay so now i'm kind of like well if i'm already that high in there i'm probably pretty high in intellectual humility too so it's like of course i'm someone who would read this thing because i'm already kind of like already of that mindset it's just being put into a format that's Makes it interesting to read because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, get get it now because now they're using science to describe it and stuff like that.
2: Absolutely, <laughs>
0: yeah. Self selection bias for certain things. Well,
1: again, like we talked about needs before, take your needs, right? right. If you have a need for openness to experience, which yeah. is fantastic, this podcast for you makes complete oh, sense because you right? talk to
0: so many people, <laughs> it's like it totally all comes my, full circle. I know it's totally my thing, like because I just love talking and getting stories out at the very least, and then. I know like my friends are all interested in their own little pockets of stuff, right? So then if I interview someone and I'm like, "Oh, you're really going to like this episode of the podcast." Or like, you might and then it become someone completely different like, "You'll like this one." And then I like th- And that to me it's like when you get to pick and choose and like have an a la carte buffet of like things that would interest a whole bunch of different people. It sounds okay. to me that's really cool. <laughs> like the I got to interview a dermatologist and he's um, Michael Greenberg and instead of talking about anything in dermatology, we really got into spirituality and meditation like that was like an entire conversation and it was the craziest thing ever because I'm like I would never have expected this conversation to be occurring like you know because you just assume that he's a doctor and right. he's going to talk about doctor things right but again that
1: that's a perfect example to me and, and I don't know this this gentleman but that to me sounds like a perfect example of someone who has their job right he's yeah. a dermatologist yeah, has exactly. his job, but he also fosters all these other elements of yeah. who he is having either outside hobbies or outside interests
0: yep. It was really interesting, and I'd highly recommend it anyone, just if you have any sort of inkling to spirituality or meditative practice, and just communicating with people. Because the way he uses it, his spirituality was basically how to uh, connect with patients and with other people in his hmm. life. Because he he used the, he described the intimacy in a really unique way, where it was, you know, if you break it down into the, not root words, root, like illogically, but it's like intimacy. Mm-hmm. And that's what intimacy is, right? Mm-hmm. And so... We, that was the first thing we started talking about. And he's like, guys will immediately take that the not the wrong way, but to the you know sexual end of the spectrum. And and he's like, it's not about that. It's about letting other people see into you. You know, that's you're, exactly be, you're right. just being yeah, vulnerable exactly with right. someone. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is so elegantly put. And like, it puts a whole other meaning to that word, right? Because then that's what conversations like these are, right? It, right? Because you're letting other people into who you are and you're sharing those things that are your core beliefs and then it just happens to be recorded and other people can listen to it too mm-hmm. right and then there's no judgment on any on any front right because you'll never know who listened to it and maybe they didn't like it maybe they didn't but if they listen to it you you it's a win right realistically Absolutely. yeah <laughs> and i i think it's so powerful like cuz the other side of it is like social media where everything's quick and fast and there's no context right so like in this conversation there's so many like micro signals happening with facial expressions and body language and it's all cut away because of the way communication happens in, mm-hmm. in most of modern society with emails and texts and whatever it's like it's, it's a lost you know nuance basically
1: Right, you know, and I think that's where, again, to, to bring it back to being a little bit more clinical, right, you know, yeah. from my standpoint. Yeah, I, I, you
0: get you get all that all day, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, people tell me all the time of, you know, they're trying to have a, a deep conversation with their significant other mm-hmm. or a friend, and then, like, words get misplaced or, you know, tone gets added to a text where it's like, well, there was actually right. no tone there. Yeah, I know. There's so much mismatch that... Yeah, I mean, and, and again, there is a lot of communication going on right now, just between the three of us. That unfortunately, everyone can't see. Right, they yeah. just hear what we
0: hear. But I mean, but voice is really like inflection and in voice. Like I've I've listened to so many podcasts now that I can I can tell when someone smiles when they say words because the way that they, they it just sound, it, I don't know how to... Yeah, really like, they are very in tune. Yeah, like, I can tell when someone's smiling because you can tell the, the, the changes of the sound of the word just enough to be able to be like, oh, they're actually smiling now. Like, I can get a mental image of it. It's very weird.
2: Hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it's very interesting to me is to kind of cut through that, you know, using, using the internet in a way to foster long-form communication again. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Right. I mean, social media in general is a... It's an interesting topic to right. talk about, right? Because social media, when you... Do you try to self-limit in any way? Oh, I try. You know, I'll be honest. I do. I try. Mm-hmm. And it's it's tough for me, just like I think a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I have found myself too many times just mindlessly scrolling through my Instagram feed. Yeah, and I'm like, I, and I catch myself, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. you don't need to be doing that. Or, you know, I wake up in the morning, and I'll grab my phone to go turn the alarm off, and then all of a sudden, you know, mm-hmm. click to Facebook. <laughs> it's like, well, why are you doing that, though? You don't need yeah. to do that. And so... You know, it's it's very mindless behavior. Yeah. And so I do very much so try to limit, you mm-hmm. know, and I say for people that struggle with it, start with like an hour a day. You know what I yeah. mean? Like just start with an hour a day. Put I your phone really on mm-hmm. airplane mode where you mm-hmm. can't even get into it. Put your apps in a different location on your phones yeah. where you don't see them. They're not going to trigger you. It's tough, though. I mean, we live in that society where social media is such a tremendous part yeah. of what we do. Well, I
0: think realistically the what it's going to be is is you're going to have to self-manage those things, right? You're going to have to figure out whatever works for you to limit the distraction that they cause you. And I think one of the big ones is just limiting notifications you get in any mm-hmm. form. You yeah, know? Like absolutely. Just turn off all of them except for like mm-hmm. phone calls and texts because mm-hmm. like... A, because I think if you have all those things on, like at least for the type of person I am, if I got a little red bubble up there, I'm I need to. You're i to read it. I, yeah. I need it to go away. I just <laughs> yes. I, need, I just yes. need it to go away. Because if it's there, it'll drive me insane. Like I've seen some of you guys, your guys' phones. I don't know if it was yours, but someone had like 900 and something email notifications. Like. <sighs> <What> the <heck laughs> That's what
1: they say there's two types of people. There's the <laughs> yeah. people with none, right? And then there's the people with like 2,000.
2: Yeah. And I'm, I, like to me, I see that I get exactly. Sucked exa- exa- out. Is <laughs> <That's> it <fine laughs> <out. laughs> Fourteen thousand Oh
1: my God! Wait, let's look at mine. <laughs> let's look at mine. None. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, was like, Point yeah. I was like, "Proven, yeah. Yeah. boom." <laughs>
2: that bothers me. It's the, And I'm like... Oh, yeah. I hate, I hate that yeah. one. Where was that like, two-minute timer? Yeah. And then, like, your thoughts start going. You're like, well, what was that? And then it goes again. Yeah. Like, oh, so nah. what really changed... <laughs> you know what I mean? So
0: what really changed my viewpoint on that is, again, science. So they did research on distraction, right? And so they looked at people, and they basically used phones, right? And so they said... Okay, what happens when someone gets a notification, right? Say they say they don't pick it up or whatever. It's just on the table and they just know it or it's in their pocket. And say so they put sensors on the brain and it basically whenever even if you didn't read it and you knew it went off, it took you at least 15 minutes to reconcentrate on what you were doing mm-hmm. to get back in the zone. Right. And I was like, "Oh my god, how much time are you wasting if you're getting like you know, one text every other minute or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's just a crazy amount of distraction sure. that sure. adds up.
1: <laughs> and to add to that, it's dopamine levels right. that skyrockets. your neurotransmitter mm-hmm. of dopamine. And actually, dopamine levels are highest right before you check the text, right before you <laughs> go, be, right, because you're anticipating yeah. You don't know what you're going to find. So dopamine levels skyrocket. And so now imagine you have very high dopamine levels. You have to have the self-discipline to challenge those dopamine levels so right. that you don't click on it. Yeah. It's very tough.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, the real—I mean, the the companies that made these apps and things like that—is they. I don't know if it was pre-planned or anything like that, but it's basically little do- dopamine, little pumps that, that just like everything about it is just designed to fire those little reward signals that you get because you feel good about. They those know little, what they're doing when right. they design this I, stuff. They know. It's crazy to me, and just like. You know, and I don't think many people understand what is actually going on behind the scenes when it's happening, because, you know, it's neurochemical. Like you said, it's dopamine triggers and things like that, and um, the the other side of that, too, is, like, for me is, like, caffeine and stimulants, mm-hmm. is I like really, it, you know... If you're affecting the brain and you're doing it every day with something, you you got to be real careful. Even though caffeine is relatively harmless, but when you have low levels of caffeine in your your body all of the time and your brain is expecting it to be there all the time, that can't be healthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Stuff like that, you know, and I try to think about these things to be able to kind of just be like... Hmm, maybe we should think about that and kind of backstep,
1: <laughs> right? You, you know, know it,
0: from a neurochemical standpoint.
1: Definitely, you know, limiting use and and keeping a balance is is really important. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm not gonna bash on coffee. I drink coffee. That's water in there. <laughs>
0: that's water. That's <laughs> not, that's <laughs> not
1: I coffee. Not I have a coffee
0: mug with me, you guys. But it's water. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't judge you anyways, but yeah, I mean, I just think it's being more mindful of it. You know? Yeah. You know, yeah. Everything is everything is on a gradient to some degree, right? And it's just finding that middle point where you can just be like, okay. I, this, I'm, I'm managing it enough Like you don't want to be Beholden to it right Like those people That need it to survive Or need it to yeah. run In the morning right You know they're not Getting enough sleep And so you wake up And you're like Oh I need my coffee To get my day going mm-hmm. You know those people Joe you know who you are yeah. <laughs>
1: Well and it becomes Super habitual too, well, though, that too is, yes. Right. too yeah I mean like, there's
0: cultural things involved yeah. with these things too right.
1: You go through your habit, you know, you wake up every morning, you make your cup of coffee yeah. just because it's habitual. If you don't do it, yeah. now you feel like you're off, your your day is <laughs> yeah. off, you didn't start your day the
0: right I, way. Yeah. <laughs> I think, too, is, like, so the other one is, I don't know if you have anything, but, like, a, a like a morning ritual and an evening, like, a bedtime ritual. Like, anything that you do to, like, start your own clock or end your <laughs> end your day, because I, I, I've been I mean, making my own of these for a little while now, and kind of one of my little side projects that I do
1: <laughs> it's super important I am a firm believer in like a sleep hygiene routine mm-hmm. where you have to you know that's what preps you for bed you yeah. know and having a sleep hygiene routine so all it is is you know it's a routine to kind of help you unwind yes um, that's super important and if I don't follow my sleep hygiene routine it's much more difficult for me to sleep yeah. I already have you know sleep struggles it's tough for me to fall asleep in general you mm-hmm. know I just think genetics I think right. but um, so if I don't follow my sleep hygiene routine everything else is thrown off my ability to fall asleep is is dwindled so i'm a firm proponent on people picking up whatever sleep hygiene routine mm-hmm. they want whether that's limiting screen time before they go to bed whether it's you know okay i'm gonna brush my teeth and then i'm going to get a glass of water and put it by my bed yeah. or whatever whatever yeah. it is for you yeah same thing within the morning though is you know start off your day
0: with coffee or whatever <laughs> whatever you whatever, whatever yeah. right you
1: know i know a lot of people who a green will do supplement
0: that's my favorite like anymore. a green tea no like greens like oh uh, greens greens yeah, so yeah. it's like uh, a- the antioxidant profile of like your typical mm-hmm. fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. and th- with all the other vitamins it's like crazy sure
1: yeah <laughs> great example though, yeah. right something like that or you know i know a lot of people who or going back to tea. meditation or mindfulness yeah, will start off you know their morning kind of clearing their head so they're mm-hmm. ready to take on the day yeah
0: so like for me so i'm actually wearing two sensors that track my sleep and i've explained these to jordan so th- this is the newest one it's called the Aura Ring and so it's got sensors embedded in it.
1: That's super cool. And it
0: uses apps and it, you, it what it does is it tracks your sleep stages and tells you how much you sleep and Everything like that, and it tracks your... Eight, That's so neat. It's a ring. It's a ring. It's, yeah. a ring. it's super it's convenient. You don't have
1: to wear something clunky yeah, like on your you wrist. Yeah, and you don't have this. Yeah. You, and
0: it, the, the battery life is fantastic. I didn't charge it at all yesterday. It was like 75%. So, And it just has a little pedestal. You just put it right on there, and it just charges, and you're good. And you huh. just open the app, and it tells you your sleep stages. It tells you how much your steps are and stuff like that, and measures activity. So, you can, and you can swim with it too. Like, you can do whatever you want with it. It's completely waterproof. Cool, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's crazy. Simperclaw. And then th- this one is Whoop. So, this one is for uh, more uh, like athletes, but it does very similar things. But the cool thing about it is it measures your strain uh, using heart rate. So, mm-hmm. it, it graphs your strain from a, a, a 0 to 21, and it tells you how hard you're pushing yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and then it measures your recovery, which is your sleep and your strain combined to be able to give you. A feedback of how well your, your neuroendocrine system like your 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 neuromuscular system is uh, primed for that right, day right. from your basically looking at your sleep and stuff so like yesterday i went out and i didn't do any of my sleep routine or anything like that and i went to sleep and it was i had more uh, two beers before bed because it asks you every day it gives you subjective like did you have caffeine within four hours of bedtime mm. do you have two beers within two hours of two or more beers within two hours of bedtime or did you read did you look at a screen all these like subjective measures and then it gives you your data mostly from heart rate mm-hmm. and so it really gives you this idea of like okay how am I running my life on average and then you can look at it, be like oh this is a really bad recovery day why was that and you can look at your subjective answers and be like oh I drank that day and so maybe if you really want to have a good day you shouldn't be drinking or right unless like, hey. you pick up
1: on your own habits yeah, and ways like, to or it. ask you
0: like did you read and it says not screen device so like I try to read a book but like one one chapter of a book before bed mm-hmm. for, for, for now stuff like that doing like these things that help you like put it in front of you to, to be mindful of it, right? Because, right. like, when you when you wake up and you see the app and it's got, like, it tells you my, my recovery is garbage today, so it's the lowest it's ever been, um, it's about 10%. So <laughs> when you see that red circle and it says 10%, and you're like, oh, God, what did I do? You know, like, it, on average, it's been it's, around 50%. Yeah, I think...
1: I think tracking, you know, long-term routines like that can help you make appropriate changes in your lifestyle so that you can either sleep better or whatnot. And I
0: think it's not even something you need to do all the time either. Like, once you get used to it, you can take these off Mm -hmm. and just (laughs) self-manage.
1: There's a really interesting study I read, I think maybe... Maybe a month ago, and I forget who the authors were, so forgive me. But it was from the Mayo Clinic, okay. And it was basically on these tracking devices to help you sleep. But yeah. it's a paradoxical study, and it talked about the detriment of sleep devices because what would happen is people would start to psych themselves out. Oh my God, am I going to bed on time? Oh my God, what kind of sleep am I getting? and stuff.
0: <laughs> It worked, you know, in, yeah. in
1: a backwards kind yeah. of fashion, right? Where instead of I would never
0: have thought of it, right? Instead
1: way. of tracking to be helpful, it was paradoxical, and people yeah. would get anxious like because they weren't getting eight hours. Yeah. They'd be anxious because they had restless sleep so then the next night yeah. now they're going into it with a bias of oh my god i have to get good sleep i have to get good sleep yeah. and automatically that bumps you down
2: yeah you like obsessed right yeah,
0: yeah. i mean it's, it's kind of like the analysis by paralysis kind of or analysis paralysis rather you know where you get so fixated on the data that you're not actually doing you know right and i don't know that's, that's interesting because i didn't i've never thought of it that way from from my own experiences like i always thought of it as like oh this thing is going to help me you know balance the the what I think I'm doing good, and then mm-hmm. give me real time data, like looking at my heart rate, the things I can't see, like it. So these measure HRV, which is like a newer metric, which is the heart rate variability. So it looks at the that timing difference between your up your heartbeats, basically. Mm-hmm. And so when you have higher HRV, higher time between those peaks, your your um, Nervous system is more calm, more relaxed, more recovered, mm-hmm. and when it's lower, that means you're more in like survival mode, and your sure, body's not recovered sure. properly. And so that's something you'll never be able to see. Like, I could wake up in the morning and feel fine, energy level wise, but my nervous system could be totally tanked, mm-hmm. and I would never be able to tell that because it's such a it's like milliseconds in timing, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's it's and interesting. It's you very
0: know? interesting. And so I've, I've used it actually to take rest days that I would never have normally take it's very weird. Right. And
1: to me, it sounds like you're using it in a very productive fashion. Yes. You know? but I, I see something like this becoming like Jordan said, like super obsessive for people. Yes. Right. And if you have certain personality characteristics, it's so easy to get fixated and locked oh, yeah. into something like that. And now instead of it becoming a helpful tool, you're, you're obsessing about it. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> huh. yeah.
0: It's interesting, though, because, like, the other side of it is, like, because we have nurse friends who see these things, they're like, man, that'd be so cool to, like, you know, you put these on a patient, right, that needs to start, like, focusing on their sleep or something or exercise, and they get these things, like, because WHOOP itself is designed to be, like, for athletes, so you can build teams, right? So you can put, like, so, like, a coach could see all of his athletes on here. So when they, like, update their app in the morning, they could see, okay, who got good sleep in the day and be able to change workouts and things like that Mm. on the fly because they have more of this upfront data, you know, downstream so that they can be like, oh, this athlete's not as recovered, so let's back up, back off a little bit and not go as hard as we normally would because I'm uh-huh. pushing them too hard or something like that. So it's kind of interesting. So like if you Very apply that so. so if you apply that to the, the healthcare world, right? You have you, you can figure out like, hey, how well are you sleeping, right? Are you taking your medication? Like we need you to start getting, you know, things in line, and you'd be like, you know, instead of them saying, yeah, I did it, and they really aren't doing it, you can be like, well, your data says something else, mm-hmm. like, you, you can't lie to me, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I, just th- I just think that kind of stuff is, is going to have really wide-reaching effects in the future, right? Because I, I definitely agree that these things aren't for everybody, because certain people are just not going to care, and this is mm. not going to matter to them, <laughs> you know, taking more data in, just be, like, whatever, right? But th- the way I see it is, like, it's, it's just more information, and then because I'm wearing two, I get to see if there's any discrepancies in the data, so I'm going to trend them out and see which ones are telling Mm -hmm. me different sleep stages or, like, what... Just kind of like look at what it's doing. It's kinda of interesting for me to do that self experiment.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and again I, I think it's super important to know what your limits are with that. Right. Know your personality tendencies and yeah. your characteristics <laughs> and you know, try it out but recognize if you're getting lost in it. You know, I think for me, I think I would be one of those people that would be like super stressed going to bed because I'm like, Oh my gosh, now I, I have to get eight hours because the night before I got six, Claudia, get eight. <laughs> and for me it would be added a a, yes, yes. <laughs>
2: for nine to month. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's even funny too because you, you you can set a sleep coach for the, for Whoop so you can set it so it's like peak, perform, or get by. And so it's like, I'm like, well, why would you ever want to just set it for something else? I'm going to put it, leave it at peak all day, every day. Like, you know, why would I undercut myself, <laughs> right? Right. right. It, it, that's just being type A. <laughs> yeah. But it
1: works for your personality. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah.
0: I, I think that's kind of the uh, the the... the Theme of this podcast is just what works for you, <laughs> right. You know, it, it's it's fun though to be able to do this and like you know, for me to be able to wear both of them too is and show it out there and just give the data and be like, hey, this is what happened. Here's what it is. If it sounds interesting to you, you can get one of these things. If mm-hmm. not, it's there. You know, right? It just mm-hmm. leaves it as a as a breadcrumb trail for people right. for just trying to understand these things better.
1: Right, figure out who you are and get the tools that are conducive to what your needs are, what your personality (laughs) is, and and in all honesty, I mean that's really kind of what my job is. I'm not in the business of changing people, believe it or not. I'm not in the
0: ever, you know. That's interesting because most people think would not a chance. You know, I'm in the
1: yeah, nope, not a chance. (laughs) I'm in the business of figuring out people's tendencies, their characteristics, Mm -hmm. taking those characteristics and putting them in healthy areas. That's what I'm in the business Mm -hmm. of doing.
2: I've actually. Never thought of it that way. That's
0: interesting. Yeah. 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 It's almost like shining a light on things for people, right? Never, you know, Mm -hmm. and
1: I always tell my patients, you know, so, and we've spotlighted this a couple times throughout this podcast, but I am a huge sensation seeker. I mean, the bigger the thrill, like, I'm first in line to go do it, and if someone were to tell me, if I were to go see a therapist, right, and someone Mm -hmm. were to tell me, no, we're going to change that about you, there's no way. I'm not Mm -hmm. just going to stop being sensation seeking, and so what it is, if I harvested that trait in unhealthy ways, there's a lot of ways (laughs) that (laughs) that trait can get me into a lot of trouble right right? we can go down the drug route we can go down the speeding route Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go rob a bank obviously that's not good stuff (laughs) would i get my need fixed i totally would but you see how that's obviously not healthy Mm -hmm. so instead let me take that need that value that i have and put it into something healthier yeah like travel right right? Right. something like that
2: i will say when i first met you and um and then i finally saw how much you traveled i think the first trip that i saw you on like on Instagram. I don't know where it was but you were in a jungle oh um, <laughs> costa rica yeah that was costa rica and i was like i was like yo that looks really cool and i was like you know going through the pictures i'm like where is she <laughs> i was like this looks so amazing you know what i mean i was yeah. super jealous and then i was like you came back i'm like oh that was such a cool trip and then like the following weekend you went somewhere else so I'm like, <laughs> you know what i mean you're like this is <laughs> the worst thing. Right. and that was before i knew what you did um uh-huh. so if, if this is Not supposed to sound rude, but I would have never guessed you did psychology just because of that's how I knew you Mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, bringing it back when you said... My job doesn't define me. Mm-hmm. It's very like, true, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, like I wouldn't have put that together. And that's not, not a, I don't know e- if that's the right Right, no, no, salty no, salty no, no,
1: or, no. But I mean, that's exactly it. You know, my job is super duper important to me. It's a big piece of who I am, but there are so many other factors and facets of who I am. And I encourage people to live a well rounded life. Don't ever let one job or one identity characteristic mm-hmm. define who you are. No way. You know, I, I travel, I do therapy, I used to model, I used to dance. I used to do all these different things and I want all those to be a part of who I am, not just one.
0: Right. Yeah, I like that. And probably a great place to end it. <laughs> for this first one. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Alright, everybody. That's it for today. Till next time. Yep.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it and learned something and hope you fed your own curiosity. You can support the podcast directly at anchor.fm slash feeding curiosity, well, one word, slash support. Also, I'd like to thank the sponsors for this podcast as well. And I'd just like to thank Anchor for being able to be there to give us the platform to have it out there on all the platforms available to us podcasters. With that, everyone, thank you all for one more time, and I'll see you all next time.